Back in 1999, yeah, can, can I say that? Back, all the way back in 1999, believe it or not, it was 17 years ago. Back in 1999, I went to Southern California to take a class at Talbot Theological Seminary in La Mirada, and, and I went out a couple days early before the class, and the reason is because I wanted to spend some time with a good friend of mine that was living at the time in San Diego County, and so we went out there, I went out there to visit him, and uh, for a day, he took me around San Diego, took me, we went downtown, went downtown by the by San Diego Bay and, and went down to the, uh, the seaport village there, we went down to the uh, Embarcadero Marina Park, we went over to Coronado Island, all kinds of fun stuff, just a, a glorious, glorious city, San Diego, California. But then lunchtime came. And when lunchtime came, my friend Ben Lee, Ben Lee, who is a, a pastor now of a church, a growing church in the Phoenix, Arizona area, he looked at me at lunchtime and he said, Charles, I'm going to take you to one of my favorite places. And it was on that occasion in October 1999 that Ben Lee took me to In-N-Out Burger. Amen? <laughs> yes. He took me to In-N-Out Burger. Now, let me tell you a little bit. Raise your hand if you've been to an In-N-Out Burger. Raise your hand. No. Okay. You need to go. You need to go. Christian company, by the way. It's the burger version of Chick-fil-A. It's a Christian family-owned company, and uh, they have actually scripture verses on all their cups and fry boxes and burger wrappers, and, and it's a wonderful thing. But they have a simple menu. You can get a single, a double, you can get fries if you want, and if you want, you can get a milkshake. That's it. That's all they do, and they do it great. And so I remember that particular occasion, I had my first double-double. My first double-double with fries. And it was a glorious thing. It's an awesome, awesome meal to have there at In-N-Out Burgers. If, you've been, if you followed Adele recently, just right after Grant, the Grammy Awards, she had a little debacle during the Grammy. I didn't watch the Grammy Awards, by the way, but I read about this the next day. Some, something happened. One of the microphones fell on the piano. And the next day she tweeted, well, the microphone fell on the piano, but I'm going to make it up to myself by going to In-N-Out Burger tonight. And, and, and so Adele went to In-N-Out Burger. Now, because I had that double-double on that particular occasion in 1999, let me tell you, every time I go to the West Coast, every time I go to California, I've got a taste. I've got a taste for something, and it's an In-N-Out Burger. In fact, most times when I land, it's the very first stop. After you get the rental car, you go straight to the In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> Got a taste for it. Got a taste for it. Now, there's something that a Christian should have a taste for. Actually, tonight we'll talk about a couple things. A couple things that a Christian should have a taste for. Number one is the grace of the Lord. To have a taste for the grace of the Lord. And the other thing we're going to talk about tonight is having a taste for the Word of God. A taste for the Word of God. Now, there are natural senses. You have your natural senses of sight, of touch, of hearing, taste, smell, all of them. 
And then as Christians, as spiritual people, we have spiritual senses. So you have your physical senses, and then if you're a spiritual person, if you've been made alive in Christ, if you've been born again, you're a spirit person, and you have spiritual senses. One of the things that you should be perceiving with your spiritual senses is the Word of God. You say, how's that? I, I look at it on the page. I hear it when it's read. I hear it when somebody teaches. But let me tell you, this is more, this is different than any other book. These are different than any other words. These words, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are life and are spirit. And if they're life and spirit, then they're going to be perceived by the spiritual senses. Paul put it this way. He said, the carnal mind does not understand the things of the spirit. And so this is a spiritual book. It's a special book and it's a special word and it's going to be perceived by the spiritual senses. So we should be perceiving the word of God with our spiritual senses, our spiritual sense of hearing and spiritual sense of sight. And as we'll look at tonight, that spiritual taste that we should have for the word of God. The question we come to tonight really is this. What is the Christian's relationship to the Word of God? What is the Christian's relationship to the Word of God? Peter gives the answer to the question right here in 1 Peter 2. I've got two points for you tonight if you're taking notes. Amen? Two points, simple points. The first one is this. The relationship of the Christian to the Word. Desire the Word. Desire the Word. Let's pick it up. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Peter has just finished up in, in chapter 1, and of course there are no chapters and verses in the original text. But for our book that we have, the men have gone through and put chapters and verses, and it's a good way to kind of find out where we need to be, where we are, where the reading is going to be. Amen? And in chapter 1, Peter has just finished up telling us about the Word of God. He's, he's been telling us about the Word of God, that it's an altogether different thing in the world. It's an altogether different thing. It's an incorruptible seed. It will never fade away. It will endure forever and ever. It will never pass away. How many things do you know that are in that category? What category? The category of things that will never pass away, that will endure forever and ever and ever. And this is one of those things, the Word of God. And, and Christian, you've been brought to life by this Word and by the sacrifice of the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. So you have a new life in Christ, and in the New Testament, the various writers pick up on the theme of having this new life in Christ and being born again, and so they use the analogy of, of a newborn baby. They, they, they use the analogy of, of, of a person being born again, born anew in the Spirit, being a new creation, and they use the analogy of a newborn baby. Now, we've just had a new birth in our family we're actually expecting one, but we've just had one actually today. It was last night, but it was actually today. Um, and it's, it's our cousin on my wife's side, and her name is Winter Caitlin Cooper. And this is a, this is a picture that I got off of 
her mother Ashley's uh, Facebook page. Amen? And Ashley uh, was our uh, flower girl. <laughs> and I'm trying to put, put all this together. Yeah. Ashley was our flower girl in our wedding. And now she's a brand new mom. And so this is our brand new cousin. So now the baby is born. The baby is born. You can take the picture down. That's good. Um, the baby is born and enters into a completely new environment. It's a, it's a different environment than the mother's womb and being nourished by the mother through the umbilical cord. That's, that's one environment. That's the environment there in utero for nine months. And then when the baby is born, it enters into a whole new, it enters into the world, amen? It enters into the, 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 this, this out here space that we're all in, and, and it's a whole different environment. The newborn baby is suddenly surrounded by a whole new world of stimuli and sensory input. And thus the old environment, the, the, the old use of the senses is put behind them, and it's the same way for the Christian. The same way for the Christian. Before a person is a Christian, they are part of an environment separated from God, and they use their senses in ways that are contrary to God's ways. But now, Christian, you're a new creation in Christ. You need to put that old environment the old use of your senses, you need to put that in the past and enter into the, the new use of your new spiritual senses in your new spiritual life. Amen? You're a new creation. Put that old environment away, the old use of your senses behind you, put it in the past. Now, Peter lists some things that the Christian needs to let go of and put behind them. Peter says, lay them aside. He says, therefore... If, if the Word of God has brought you to life, if you've been born again by the Word of God, this enduring Word that will never fade away, you therefore need to put some things away from yourself. Put, lay some things aside. And, and, and he gives us the list. He says, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking, all these things we need to lay aside. Peter says, lay, lay aside. What, what are these things? The, these are the things that cater to and easily flow from the carnal, sinful nature of man. Yeah, malice. It's not, it's not hard in, in your carnality, in your flesh, to, to have some type of a malice kind of just pop up for, for someone that maybe you perceive someone has done you wrong, and, and I've got to get, I've got to get them back. I've got to get even. I've got to do. And, and there, this is a natural part of, of the carnal, fleshly nature, sinful nature of man. To, to, to have maybe malice pop up in our heart. Deceit, you know, not, not uh, projecting the truth. Maybe, you know, the, the idea there, deceit and lying. Not being a person of the truth. Hypocrisy. Just going from one situation to the next, just kind of playing the part. you playing the part in this 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 this. Area over here, playing the part over here, and, and there's just an hypocrisy that, that, that comes naturally. Envy. Envy, looking at everything else and saying, look, I, 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 I want that, I want that. Evil speaking. Speaking evil. It's, oh, man, that's probably the easiest one on the list. You say, no, I don't do that. Really? Let's rewind the tape. Let's rewind the tape. Evil speaking. It's easy to let things roll off the lips. But Peter here is saying, look, if you've been born again, lay these things aside. Let that be a part of, of the old you, the old environment that you were in. 
the, 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 the carnal man just letting those things just kind of go and flow. These are the things that, that Peter lists. They're, they're contrary to the new spirit man and are contrary to the love, the agape of God that has been put in you. This is what we talked about last week. You, you've, you've, you've been born again because God loved you and, and he's commanded you to have love for one another. And everything that we just read about is, is actually the opposite of the agape of God. It's the, it's, the, it's the exact opposite. And we learned about that last week. We went through the love of God. And you can remember some of it. You know, you, you talk about deceit. Well, remember, agape is rejoices in the truth. Evil speaking. You know, remember, agape speaks no evil. And we, we just go through that list and we see how it's, it's directly contrary to the spirit man and the, the love, the agape of God that, that he has put in you. Now, the Christian is to lay aside these things, to lay all those things aside. Just put them out of your, your mind and just put them out of your, your life and, and, and just concentrate on that pure love of God and the, the word of God that's come to you that you're holding on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he says, lay aside these things and desire the word. Look at that, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And so, Christian, you're to lay all those things aside, all those things that come naturally to the carnal man, and you're to do something that a spirit person does, and that's to crave, that's to desire the word of God in your life. This thing that is a spiritual seed, it's an incorruptible seed, it's going to last forever. You, Christian, are now called to have a desire for the Word of God in your life. The word desire here, in in the original language, the the Greek language is epipatheo. Epipatheo equals desire. And this is what it means. It means to long for, to desire to pursue with love, to long after, to long after, to desire. And, and we're to desire, as newborn babes, we're to desire the Word of God. Now, the psalmist, if you go back to the Psalms, you go back to Psalm 42, verse 7. And the psalmist said this, he said, As the deer pants for the water brook, so, my, my, uh, so pants my soul for you, O God. And so there's, there's something that, that, that happens um, that where we have this desire for God. And, and uh, I, I forget who it was. One of the philosophers actually uh, coined that, that uh, phrase, you know, God-shaped hole, right? That there's a, there's a God-shaped hole in the, inside of every single person, and, and only God can fulfill you, only God can fill you in the way that you need to. You can fill your life up with all kinds of stuff, but only God's going to fulfill and fill you in the way that you were designed for. And so our soul ultimately longs for God. He is our one desire. He's our one desire. And so as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. So we should desire the Lord. We should long for the Lord. We should desire his word. We should long for his word. Another place we find the psalmist that the psalmist calls the word of God sweet. If you look in Psalm 119, one, Psalm 119 is, is the longest chapter in the Bible. And the longest chapter in the Bible is all about the Bible. 
<laughs> the longest chapter in the Bible is all about the Bible. It's all about the Word of God. If you want to sit down and read Psalm 119, I'm going to take you to one particular verse where the psalmist says this, Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And so the, the psalmist here is saying, look, the Word of God once, you, once you're his, once you're a part of his family, once you've been born again and, and you're that new creation in Christ, you have a taste for something that maybe the world doesn't have a taste for, and it's the word of God. You should have a craving. Just like a newborn babe, just like winter Caitlin up there in Virginia is craving her mother's milk tonight. Maybe, you know, Every, what is it? Every two and a half hours, you know, you got you to gotta feed the baby. I remember we, we, we did it three times. Well, Mary Jo did it. She did it three times. I'll tell you what, we were, she, someone gave us, someone gave us a, a, a book right before uh, we had Trey, and it was called Baby Wise. And if you know anybody uh, that's getting ready to have a baby, I recommend it, because we were three for three. We had all of our three boys sleeping through the night, eight hours by eight weeks, 10 hours by 10 weeks, 12 hours by 12 weeks, and everybody we know that's ever read the book just literally 100% success. It's an awesome thing because it, it's, well, anyways, why am I talking about that? What I'm talking about is, <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is that a baby is born and begins to crave the mother's milk, amen? And so just like that, we're supposed to crave the word of God. We're supposed to crave his word. We're supposed to desire. And, and the psalmist here says, man, your words are sweet. Your words are sweet. Now, maybe you've never looked at the Bible like that. But we should. The word, the word of God. Man, it, it, it's sweet. It's sweeter than honey to my mouth, the psalmist says. The 21st century Christian, just like the first century Christian, realizes that God's word is sweet. And sometimes the world looks at it and says, well, you know, how can you, how can you govern your life according to that? That's an old document. That's, a, that's archaic. That, that's out of date. That doesn't make sense. That, that needs to be changed. It needs to be revised. And as we understand, as believers in Christ and believers in God, that this is the word that will never change. It's living and active and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the only thing that's the rightful discerner of your heart. It's the rightful thing that is exactly what, it, what your soul and spirit needs to nourish your life spiritually. And, and, and just to have a taste for it, just like the psalmist says, wow, your words are sweet, sweeter than honey. And perhaps that was the sweetest thing he could think of. Maybe that was the sweetest thing on the planet at that point. I don't know what he would say today. You know, your words are sweeter than cotton candy or something. I don't know, right? Your, 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 your words are sweeter than, you know, sugar-covered, you know, gummy bears or something. I, I don't know what he would say today. But, but for, for, for that time, it was honey. And, and that's the type of approach, that's the type of relationship, that's the type of understanding that we need to have with the Word. You know what, I, 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 I put that, word, that verse up there, and um, you, know, you can't help but you read a verse in Psalm 119 and you just almost are immediately drawn into the, into the passage. You're immediately drawn into that, that book, you, you pick a verse and just begin to read that chapter, you're immediately drawn into it because this, this book is telling you about this book and how applicable it is for your life. He says uh, in 103, 
How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 104, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And then the one that we're, a lot of us are familiar with, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This word is sweeter than honey and it's a light to my every step in life. You're, you're gonna, what, what, what are you going to govern your life by? What are you going to look to in your life? What is it that's going to light your path? You, you, you look into, you know, the, you know, the stock page or the, the, the latest philosophy, the latest uh, craze. You, you look to the Word of God. That's what's going to light your path. Amen? And then we see that the prophet, the prophet of God, Jeremiah, he ate the Word. Amen? This is, well, this is what it says. Jeremiah 15, 16 I have it up there on the screen for you. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So Jeremiah says, Look, I mean, the psalmist is saying, Your word is sweeter than honey. Jeremiah said, Look, I ate your words. Your words were found and I ate them. And they were to my heart joy. They were to my heart, a rejoicing of my heart. You know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you look at food. You look at food and, and um, you know, if you, I brought up cotton candy. Brought up cotton candy. You know, you eat a bunch of cotton candy or, you know, gummy bears or sugar babies or, or you know, um, uh, orange rings or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you like, right? You eat this stuff. After a while, it's like, ah, you know, it sits like a rock and it's, it's not healthy. God's word is a, is a joy to your heart. It's a, it's a rejoicing. It's a rejoicing in your heart, the, the word of God, when you take it in, when, when you read it, when you listen to it, when you hear it, when you hear the teaching, when you hear the reading, you hear it, it's a rejoicing of your heart. Faith arises in your heart, Paul says, at the hearing of the word of God. He ate the word. It was a joy to him. It rejoiced his heart. It was the nourishment of his soul. So you see, the Christian should have a desire for the word of God. Do you have a desire for the word of God? A Christian with a lack of desire for the word and for truth is a red flag. It's a red flag. If, if you have a Christian, if you have a Christian and there's no desire for the word of God, there's no desire for truth, there's no, there's no uh, like Jeremiah, I ate the word and I rejoiced and, 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 and there's no, uh, you know, the word, I, I, I looked at it and, I, and, I, and it gave me understanding, therefore I hated the false ways. You have, you have a Christian that not only doesn't have a craving for God's word, doesn't have a desire for God's word, but actually is embracing the false ways. They're going the opposite direction. It's a red flag. It's a red flag. And you got to take a look at it in your life. If you don't have a desire for the Word of God, ask yourself, why? Why is it that you don't have a desire? Why is it that if you're a spirit being, if you've been born again, if the Father above has brought you into a spiritual life, why is it that you don't have a desire and a hunger and a craving for His Word that is the absolute spirit and life to, to your spiritual life? you got to ask yourself why. 
What is it that's in the way? What is it that you haven't laid aside? What is it that is keeping you from experiencing the Word of God in the way that it is intended to work in your life? Wow. Maybe you're enthralled with the ideas of the world, or you're enthralled with the desires of the sinful flesh. You're caught up in the physical senses, and you have your spiritual senses have become dulled. There's this passage in Hebrews where the writer of Hebrews says, you, you have become dull. Your hearing has become dull in hearing the word. And, and that's a dangerous place to be for a believer. Why? Because this is the very thing that we need in our lives, the word of God. And how, have we become dull of hearing? We've got to ask ourselves why. Give yourself over completely to God. Give yourself over completely, 100% to God and see if he, if he doesn't bring about such a desire in your life for the Word, for His Word, just to be nourished by it, just to take it in, just to enjoy it. Now, I, I've seen the change in people. I've seen change where you have someone that maybe wouldn't give the Word of God a time of day and they... They get saved and, and they look forward to Bible study. They look forward to hearing the word. They look forward to hearing the word of God. Why? Because they've been changed on the inside. They're a new person. They're a spirit person that is now craving the word, desiring the word in their life. Peter says, lay aside these former things. Lay aside these things of the flesh that we should desire the word of God the word of life, and spirit. So the first point tonight, desire the word. Secondly tonight, grow by the word. Let's just take a look and read the whole text again. Can't read it too many times, amen? Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Grow by the word. Peter says here that the Christian will grow by the word. You will grow by the word. If you desire the word and partake of it in your life, you will grow. Now, last week at the end of the message, last week at the end of the message, at the end of chapter one, we were talking about the word of God and how it will endure forever. And Peter, quoting from Isaiah 40, contrasted the internal enduring of the word of God to the fading of the human life without God. Remember that humanity is frail and fades like the grass of the field. The grass withers and the flower of the grass fades. And so the human without God is like withering grass and fading flowers. We're one week separated from Valentine's and probably all the Valentine's flowers have faded. The grass withers, the flower fades. But remember... God's vision for your life. God's vision for your life, Christian, as a member of his family, is not that you are grass that fades or a flower that withers. But we talked about it last week. God's vision for your life is that you were a tree planted. A tree planted by rivers, nourished. Amen? So let's take a look at that passage in Psalm chapter 1. Verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Let's stop right there. 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, the, 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 the wisdom of the world, the, 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 the talking heads, if you will, the, the counsel of the ungodly. The word, the word of God is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, this is a counsel. This is a counsel. And there's two different types of people. There's the people that live in the council of the world, and there's people that are Christians that live in the council of the word. Amen. Which council are you yes. living in, listening to? Nor you stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. He doesn't listen to the wisdom of the, of the sinner. The wisdom of the world, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in, in his law, he meditates day and night. Verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Wow. This should be like, you know, you, you, these should be among your favorite three verses. Amen. It should be among your favorite three verses because the person who, who desires the word is a, is a person who's a tree. You're not grass. You're not a flower that's fading. You're a tree planted by the rivers, and, and, and that, that tree is going to grow. A tree planted by the rivers is going to grow because you're going to have the nourishment that you need in your life. You shall be like a tree planted by rivers, growing. Now, if you're a growing tree... Fellow Christian, I guess if I hug you, then I'm a tree hugger. That's the, that's the type of tree hugging that I can get into. Amen? Loving on my fellow Christians, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen? Now, hopefully you're a growing tree. Hopefully you're the tree like Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. You're a growing tree. I, you think of a growing tree, my mind automatically goes to like, you know, the tallest trees, right? You think of the, the sequoias, you think of the redwoods. I got a picture of a redwood. Oh, look at that. Look at that. A tree, a growing tree, a redwood just towering above all the others. Amen. God wants you that that, that tree. There's, there's a bunch of grass that's going to wither. There's a bunch of flowers that are going to fade. That tree is going to be there because that's a that's a redwood tree. Amen. The, 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 the tallest of trees. Hopefully we're growing into mighty trees and fruitful trees. When you grow through his word and the spirit, you produce fruit. You be, you're a growing tree and you're a fruitful tree. So if you're in the word, if you're desiring the word, you're growing there by the word and you're becoming fruitful in your life. What type of fruit? The fruit of the spirit grows naturally in the life of the believer. The, 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 believing, the believer who's a tree, who's a growing tree, fruit naturally grows by his spirit in that person's life. It's called the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the Spirit just, I mean, if, if, if a tree, if a fruit tree has enough water and enough nourishment, a fruit tree, a healthy fruit tree is just going to, it just, I don't know, you walk out, you go into the, the orange groves, you, you, you go into the, you look at the grapevines, it doesn't seem like they're working too hard, they're just, they're just standing there, right? <laughs> they're not working. They're just a tree that's growing and having fruit. Now, if you look at Galatians 5, 
verse 22, Paul tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so the person who's a, a mighty tree, a growing tree in God, is having fruit grow in your life, and that fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, fruit, um, and I like this interpretation of this particular verse, the fruit is singular, and so the fruit of the Spirit is love, and thus the rest of the words become, are, are really descriptors of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. Love is, is joy, you know, love is, is peace, long-suffering, kindness, love in action, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Man, if you wrote down a list, if you didn't see that list, and you said, what type of person do you want to be? What type of person in this world do you want to be? Well, I want to be a good person, I want to be, I want to be kind, I want to be loving, I want, I want to be patient, I want to be a faithful person, I want to have joy, I want to have peace. Well, you're... Ding, ding, ding. You're a candidate for, the, for being a tree of God, for being a fruitful tree of the Lord and a Christian in the 21st century. Amen? If you'll just give your life over to God, grow by His Word, the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is going to grow naturally in your life. Now, what Paul does in Galatians 5.22, if you read the, the previous verse, 5.21, he actually contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. You want to talk about, I, I talked about the tree not working. It does, at least it doesn't look like it's working. But the flesh works. The flesh, the works of the flesh are these. And he goes through this long list of all the works of the flesh. But he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. So the flesh works. The fruit grows naturally in the life of a believer who's growing by the Word of God. Amen? And this is the kind of fruit you want. So if you want that kind of fruit, desire the Word of God. Amen? Desire the Word of God and grow thereby. Grow in the Word of God. Now, we've all come across trees that are not growing. Or they, they've, they've just become malnourished. Um, I tried to find a tree... A picture of a tree. Um, see if that, yeah. It's just a tree that, you know, it's a palm tree. It's my favorite kind of tree, a palm tree. You know, palms, palms are those trees that, you know, they, they, they've just got branches that are like arms, you know, just praising the Lord, right? <laughs> um, I think when we get to heaven, there's going to be palm trees. Palm, there's going to be, we're going to have palm trees, right? Everybody wants to go where there's palm trees and mountains. That's called California. Amen. <laughs> heaven is something. Amen. Um, anyways, uh, a, a, malnourished, a malnourished tree it doesn't have the nourishment, doesn't have the food, doesn't have the, the, the things that it needs, and so it, it just becomes an anemic tree. And, and the way to avoid being this type of tree is to, is to desire the Word of God and to grow thereby. Amen? You, you can take it down. No one wants to look at a malnourished palm tree. I should, I should have had a picture of a great, nice palm tree. But I don't have one. But you can picture one. Amen? A nice royal palm. The big white trunk. Green leaves. Just flowing. 
We used to sing a song in kids' church when I was growing up, and it, it, it went like this. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And you'll grow, grow, grow. And you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And then there was another verse. Neglect your Bible and forget to pray. And you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. And you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. And you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. Neglect your Bible, forget to pray. And you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. I think there's a truth in that you're either moving forward or moving back. You're either moving forward. I think you can apply it that principle to life, but certainly to your Christian life. If you're not moving forward, if you're not growing, if you're not on the edge of your seat spiritually with the Lord, you're going to shrink, shrink, shrink. And that's why we need to desire the word and to grow thereby. Amen? Amen. Now, Peter adds, we're almost done. Peter adds this phrase right at the end of the passage there in verse 3. He says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now there is a, there is a spiritual, we've talked about this tonight, the spiritual sense of grace, or of taste. <laughs> taste for the grace, amen? Taste for the grace of God. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've tasted the grace of God. You, 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 you saw the Lord and, and, you, and you understood your condition without him and you said, man, I need the mercy of the Lord. I need the grace of the Lord. And you've come to God and you've tasted of the grace of the Lord. You've tasted that the Lord is gracious, Christian. You have tasted. Is the Lord gracious? Yes. Amen. Amen. You've tasted that the Lord is gracious. You've tasted it. It's, it he's good. We sang it tonight, he's a good, good father. We've tasted and we've seen that the Lord is good, amen? He's awesome. Now let me tell you about the Lord and having a desire and a taste for the Lord and for his grace and for his word. Well, it's a lot better than In-N-Out Burger. Now you say, well, I've been to In-N-Out Burger and it's not all that great. Five Guys is better, Right? What? Somebody booing? How many have had both? Five guys and in and out. Which one's better? Oh, in and out. Okay. All right. We'll talk after this. We'll talk after. If you've tasted the grace of the Lord and seen that he is good, you'll never go back to life without him. Don't, you don't, what, what are you going to go back to? You've tasted, you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You know, Jesus said, and, and here's, where I'll, here's where I'll end this. You remember that passage where Jesus had fed the 5,000 and the next day the whole crowd came looking for him. He had, he had, he had gone across the, the lake and, and gets across the lake and the whole crowd from yesterday followed him and said, we want some more free lunch. Uh-oh, I better, just had a thought, I won't say it. <laughs> I won't get political. 
<laughs> they wanted a free lunch. And you know what Jesus said? You should, you should desire the things, the things of the Spirit. You should desire the things that you really need. And in that same passage in John chapter 6, that is where Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no place with me. And the crowd scattered. The crowd scattered. And, it, and they said it was a hard saying. How can we do this? There was misunderstanding. There was, it was a hard saying. And, and everyone seemed to be going. Jesus going, he goes to the, the disciples. He says, are you guys going too? And it was Peter. They said, where would we go? Lord, you alone have the words of everlasting life. Amen? Amen. Peter, this guy, this guy, this is the guy. That was one of the ones, that was, his, that was one of the good days in the early years. Amen? What does it mean to taste, to partake of the, the body, the blood of Christ? It's to, it's to feast on the Lord in your spirit person every single day. What is it that you're feasting on in your spirit man? You're trying to get comfort from this and this angle and that angle. What you need is to feast upon the Lord every day and feast upon his word. Have you tasted and seen that he's good? Yes. And do you have a taste for his word? 